Good morning. Welcome to Rome. Good morning. I was going to say it's a beautiful day outside, and I'm thinking, well, it's supposed to rain all day. It's pretty now, uh, but regardless of the weather, it's a good day to be here together. Uh, if you're visiting with us, please take a moment and fill out a registration card. It should be in the pew in front of you. Uh, we'll have a record of your attendance that way, and if you don't care, stick around after services and let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, we uh, try to figure out what order to do this stuff in. All right, let's start with the Wallaces. The Wallaces have a uh, desire to worship with us, and uh, we're happy to have them. It's Steve and Tabitha and Maddie and Jack, and then... I don't know your daughter's name in Peru. Audrey. Okay, Audrey is married to uh, the Goshorn, and she's the Goshorn now, or Goshorn, whatever their name is. They're in Peru. We're taking a mission trip to Peru this summer, and that's where we're going, is to see and work with them. So that's their other daughter, and then you have a son, Logan, Luke? Luke is their other son. I don't see him here today. So welcome, the Wallaces. Uh, we're happy to have them with us. Uh, our sympathies go out to Stephen's family with the loss of Hilda. The funeral was yesterday. Um, we have, I know our, our potluck today was canceled. Um, uh, it's supposed to be Church Eat Church Day, and we canceled our potluck. Uh, but we, are, we had so much food left over, we're warming it up, and you're more than welcome to stay and eat after a.m. church. If you like, uh, there should be plenty. And then PM church will be at 1 o'clock. So no 6 p.m. service tonight. It'll be 1 o'clock. And there's food here. If you want some, help yourself. Uh, feel free to stop by and eat with us. I think that's about it. Uh, Clinton Galloway, one of our elders, is still in the hospital, so keep him in your prayers as well. Um, I'd like to read this morning um, from Romans chapter 8. Uh, this was shared at uh, Hilda's funeral yesterday, and um, I wanted to share it with you this morning. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or sword? No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God and his Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you stand for the first song, please? First hymn this morning, number 438. 438. And we'll sing the first three verses. <clears throat> My hope is built on nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I hear my cry. 
Next hymn this morning, number 184, 184, God is the fountain whence, and after we sing this song, Brother Joe Robinson will have our scripture reading and prayer. God is the Good morning. Our scriptural reading uh, this morning will come from Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 12. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this day and thank you uh, for living in a country that uh, where we can openly and freely worship and bless you. We pray for the sick. Um, Father, you know what their needs are. We especially pray for Terry Leap, uh, Jim Haney, Jennifer Baker, Father, we just ask that you be with their doctors to uh, give them the knowledge to uh, treat each one of these and that uh, you would uh, bless them and heal them quickly, Father. We pray for um, Chris as he co coming to um, bring your word to us, Father, that you might open our hearts and our minds that 
we might receive that uh, blessing, that we would use it to um, reach out to the community around us, Father, and be a blessing to them and draw them unto uh, you. For this I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Next hymn this morning, number 299. 299, I stand amazed. <clears throat> we'll sing the first, second, and fourth verse. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus This morning as we surround the table and remember what Jesus done for us and not only us, for everyone in this, on the whole universe, uh, I was thinking about the same line of thoughts Rick on Wednesday night, he talked about the, this time of year and, and how thankful people are and Thanksgiving and, and you know, sometimes we, we take those holidays and make comments and sometimes we don't but I kind of like to at times and and he had mentioned the 10 things that he was thankful for and 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 as I thought about the table I thought about three things that uh, that I'm thankful for and that everyone in this building is thankful for and that one of them is the death the death of Jesus and that that's a hard word when we think of death 
and, and, and what we have to go through and, and our families. But, but when you think about Jesus' death, Jesus' death what was, it? was a good thing. It was a great thing. It's a complete victory over sin for us. We, we, we had a debt. We have a debt that we can't pay. And Jesus paid that debt for us by dying on the cross. Jesus established that way. And we talk about that way. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. He is the only way. And without his death, we wouldn't have a way. Jesus had to die. So I'm thankful that Jesus died on the cross. I'm thankful for his burial. Uh, and, and you think about what, what the burial, what, what does exactly that mean? Well, in our terms, when, when we bury someone, we, we just we take them out and bury them. We show them the love. We show them the respect. And, and we give them a, a, a good burial. But in Jesus' case, when he was buried, they had to do more because Jesus said that I will come again in three days. So they thought about that, and they thought, well, they made this plan. When they buried Jesus, they put him in this tomb, and, and they put a 4,000-pound rock and rolled it over, and they sealed it because they didn't want anyone to come along and steal his body. And then they could say that he did rise again. So they went through all that, but still, we know what happened. That did not hold Jesus in the grave. Jesus did return. So his burial was a real important part of the crucifixion. And also the resurrection. It proved that death could not hold Jesus there. It could not do it. The resurrection defeated death. Through that, he showed that he was the son of God. He gave Christians, you and me, living hope. Living hope that there's life after death. It means that we will be raised again with him. If we accept Jesus and we do what he wants us to do, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the way it was set up, it could not be denied that Jesus rose again. So this morning, as we take the bread that represents his body and the fruit of the vine, let's remember that death, burial, and the resurrection, and let's just remember what it means to us as we take the bread, please bow with me. Father, we're so thankful that uh, Jesus gave his life for us. Father, we're thankful for his death. We're thankful, Father, for his burial and then that glorious resurrection that we have our hope in. Father, we pray that you will bless this bread that represents his body. Father, the body that, uh, that they that they actually killed that they crucified we're thankful father that this bread represents that, that body and that we have hope in him and we pray that you'll bless this bread as we take it in jesus name we pray amen <clears throat>
Bow with me again. Father, we continue to give you thanks for the sacrifice that was made on the cross on our behalf. Father, we're thankful for the blood that was shed. We know that without the blood of Jesus, there would be no remission of sins. And we're thankful, Father, that just uh, so small amount of blood covers uh, such a multitude of sins. We just uh, pray that you'll bless us as we take this fruit of the vine as it represents his body. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes the Lord's Supper. But, uh, at this time, it's a convenient time to uh, take up our offering and our contribution. And we certainly do have a lot to be thankful for. 
and and not just not talking about necessarily material things. Uh, we have this beautiful building. We we have things. We have our families. Uh, we're truly blessed. But people contribute in different ways, and it's not just just not monetary things. And and I can't at this time. I can't stand here and 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 not say something about Hilda. I, I think that uh, Hilda's on all of her minds, and uh, Hilda is such a big part of this congregation. She uh, contributed in so many ways, uh, and I'm not talking money. If Hilda was a chartered member, for those of you who don't know it, she uh, was one that helped get this congregation started. And if you've been here just a couple of weeks, you've met Hilda Stevens, if she was here, and able to talk to you. You've met her. If you was here, I'm not fair doing the math, if you was here 60 years ago, you've met Hilda Stevens. If you've come to Rome, you've always known who Hilda Stevens was. She made herself known. She, uh, she encouraged many of us here. And, uh, so it's things like that that we need to be thankful for and, uh, and realize that we, when we contribute things, it's, it's, just not, it's just not money. It's things that we do to help others. And when we have that opportunity, we need to do that. So let's go to God in prayer and thank him for what we have. Father, we are thankful for all that you give us. Father, we're thankful for our homes and, and, and our families and our jobs and our health and and father for this congregation here at Rome and and, and it being established the many years ago and and father the good works that have been done uh, through this congregation and we pray that you'll continue to bless us father and 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 as we take up our offering we just ask that we will always use it in a way father that would edify the, the uh, church here at Rome and Things that we do, Father, that we can reach out to others and, and, and help others to become Christians and, and to learn the word. So we pray for this, this contribution, and, and, and we pray that, that you will bless it, and we want you to know how thankful we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 236. 236, his yoke is easy. <clears throat> we'll sing the first three verses. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. I found my Lord and he is mine. He won me by his love. I'll serve him all my years of life and well with him. His yoke is easy, his curse is light. I found it so, I found it so. His purpose is my sweetest delight. His blessings ever grow. No other Lord but Christ I know. I walk with him alone. His dreams are Invitation hymn for this morning, number 272, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Brother Chris. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you with us this morning. Go ahead and be turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31. This is an interesting uh, proverb. It's unlike a lot of the Proverbs that we find in the book that we've been studying the last several weeks. In that, um, this one covers one topic. You don't find that in a lot of Proverbs. Uh, they're kind of known as uh, one-liners. You find a lot of them that uh, deal with one topic, and then they'll move on to another topic in the next verse, and then another topic in the next verse, and another topic in the next verse. And so anytime you find an extended duration, uh, an extended uh, the reasoning on that topic, it's kind of an interesting, it's a unique proverb. And so that draws our attention to Proverbs chapter 31. Um, secondly, it's an acrostic, which means uh, the first stanza starts with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The next line starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet from A to Z, basically. Hebrew has 22 letters minus the vowels. Uh, and so it, this is a 22 um, letter teaching on what it looks like to be a virtuous woman. Now, acrostics were used as mnemonic devices, and so this is a way of memorizing this passage. They built it. Whoever wrote this passage, it's, it's told to us uh, by King Lemuel's mom. 
Now, we don't know King Lemuel, and we don't know his mom from the rest of Scripture. And so that makes it interesting yet again. But the fact that it is an acrostic designed to be memorized, written to be memorized, should catch our attention. All of Scripture ought to be focused on. All of it demands uh, focus. But especially when they write it so that it can be memorized, it ought to wake us up a little bit. And so this passage we'll be studying today. And so I hope you got your Bibles open, Proverbs 31. This lesson's for everyone. It's not just for women. We're going to talk about uh, the, how each one of these components, uh, we're talking about six or seven different components this morning from Proverbs 31, but they'll match up to men and to women as we think about what it means to choose a good mate, how not to be dumb as we choose a spouse. Uh, Proverbs is all about teaching you wise ways to live in a weird world. Sometimes uh, an off the off the um, beaten path world. It's it's not all. It's not a, not a world always that makes sense. And so, how are you going to live in a crooked world wisely? Proverbs will help us with that, and specifically, it's going to help us today as we think about marriage. Marriage is one of those things that is incredibly important to God. He puts a lot of focus, a lot of uh, onus on marriage. But our culture doesn't. Uh, to our culture, it's just one of those things that you very quickly can throw away. It can be done away very, very quickly uh, and really without much regret. But to God, marriage is not like that. Marriage is very serious to Him. It's very, it's a big deal to Him. It needs to be a big deal to us too. So as we think about how to choose a, a mate, we focus on how not to be dumb in doing that. And so Proverbs is going to help us. Now, most of you are thinking, well, I'm already married. I lost. <laughs> I was dumb. Whoopsie. Just kidding. Um, so how does this apply to you? Well, we're going to grow in each one of these things. In each one of these areas, we're going to grow. We're going to expand a little bit as we try to study through what it means to be a good spouse. And so these are some things that we need to be thinking about. Before we ever start thinking about marriage, it needs to be something that we think long and hard about. This needs to be something that we, we put a lot of focus on, that we think a ton about. When we were buying our camper uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we got onto all these forums and chat rooms and all these um, Facebook groups and stuff where people were talking about how do you decide which camper to buy? And I, I didn't really think all that much about it, but there's an awful lot of thought that goes into which camper you ought to buy. And so you got to figure out, well, can I, can I actually tow it with the car that I currently have? And how much weight can you put in there? How, much, how many things are you going to carry? How far are you going to go? All these things. And I thought, oh, man, this is an awful lot to consider. If there's that much to consider on buying a camper that you're going to use for a week, you need to put an awful lot of thought into who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Because that person's going to be the one who stands with you, hopefully, through thick and thin, through disaster, but also through the joys of life, right? And so this needs to be something that we put an awful lot of thought behind. We also need to appreciate the good spouse that we have. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a good, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. 
Proverbs 19:14 says, "Houses and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord." What's his point? What, what's he trying to say? Well, he's, when you have a good spouse, you need to recognize them as a gift from God. This is God's gift to you. The person sitting next to you is God's gift to you. And hopefully the person, if you're not yet married, the person sitting next to you one day will be God's gift uh, to you. So let's look at some ways that we cannot be dumb about choosing a mate. Well, first one starts at the end of Proverbs chapter 31. Um, we're going to use Proverbs 31 as kind of an, an outline, a template uh, to talk about some of these things, uh, about how to be wise about choosing a mate or what kind of mate do we need to be uh, for our spouse. And so the first thing we need to think about is we need to look for someone who loves the Lord, who fears specifically the Lord here in Proverbs 31, verse 30. He says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now again, we're not just using this to talk about Wives, we're using this to talk about spouses, and so when you read um, Proverbs thirty-one thirty, you should hear a man who fears the Lord is to be praised. Often, we don't start there, though, do we? Where do we start when we start looking for a spouse? Well, I think they're pretty, or I think they're handsome. He says that that's just getting in your way because charm is deceitful, right? What happens to the charming person the first time they get mad at you? That charm goes right out the door, doesn't it? What about beauty? Sometimes that, that fades, doesn't it? It's not, those things aren't, aren't worth building a foundation on. You know, it's kind of funny that when we start building a foundation for a house, we don't use wood, do we? You use concrete. That's something that's permanent. At least it's the most permanent thing for us. Because wood would rot. He says these things, charm and beauty, these things, they, they for lack of a better term, rot. Over time, these things aren't, they're not permanent. These things are things that dwindle over time. You need to find something that grows over time. And so what's the thing that grows over time? Well, it's the person's relationship with God. It's their respect for God. It's their love for God, their, their fear of Him. And so that's the thing that when we start looking for someone to marry, or when we start looking to be the best spouse that we can be, we start looking for and start thinking about how we fear the Lord. This isn't just a general statement. When we say, when we talk about fearing the Lord, we're talking about some specific things. You agree on certain criteria. Jesus really is God's son. Uh, he really did rise from the grave like Gary talked about during the Lord's Supper thoughts. He founded one church and we're going to be active in that one church. If you are in a relationship like that or if you're in a relationship that's focused on those things, it's so much easier, isn't it? But if you're, if you're not in a relationship that focuses on those things, you, you feel the struggle, don't you? You feel the tension don't you? And so we look for spouses who are on the same page as us, spiritually speaking. And if we're already married, we're trying to grow in this respect. We're trying to grow in this attitude towards God. We're always looking for deeper foundations inside of Him. Marriage is a triangle, right? You've probably heard the illustration before 
Uh, God's at the center, man and woman are, are on either side, but the closer we get to God, the closer we get to each other as well, right? And so that's, that's kind of what we're thinking about here in this very first criteria for how to be a good mate or choosing, how to be wise in choosing a good mate. You need to look for someone who fears the Lord. That's the very first criteria I think that we need to think through. But it's not the only one. Proverbs chapter 31 Verse 11 says, you don't need to marry anyone you don't fully trust. Listen to what he says here, or what King Lemuel's mother outlines here as a characteristic in a good spouse. It says, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. If you're dating someone now, if you're with someone now, you don't completely trust, that relationship will struggle, won't it? Uh, you need to be in a relationship where you completely trust that other person. They're most likely um, not going to change after you marry them. You've heard that before. And as uh, a lot of times we think, well, I can change the person when I'm in the relationship with them. Those of us who are older who have been in relationships before know that that's just not the way that that usually happens. People do change, and that's the power of the gospel. And that's one of the beautiful things that we find inside of Christ, that people do change. We have the capacity through the power of Christ to change. It's incredibly difficult. And so if they're not trustworthy now, most likely not going to be trustworthy as you marry them either. For those of us that are married, we look for ways to build trust in each other, right? We look for ways to, uh, for opportunities for our spouse to trust us, to be found trustworthy as we build in this trust uh, with each other. Those are the kind of some of the things that we start looking for, right? Uh, to be able to trust them. To be able to say something to them and know that they are, that that will be taken in confidence. To be able to ask them something and know that they'll take care of it. To be able to trust them more than you trust yourself. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? To be able to trust them more than you trust yourself. That's, that's kind of a, a powerful thing. And it's something we need to be thinking about as uh, we try to be the spouses that God would have us to be, but also as we look for, if we're not married, the spouses that God would have us to marry. We need to be able to fully trust that person. The next thing comes from Proverbs 31, verse 27. He says, don't marry a lazy person. We talked about um, lazy folks in uh, a couple of lessons back uh, in this series, and so you can go back and listen to that. Um, it's on YouTube and Facebook, and I think it's on our podcast as well. But go back and listen to that, and you'll, you'll find all these problems come up as you deal with lazy people. Here's one in Proverbs 31, verse 27, uh, where she's on the other end of the spectrum. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This is not a lazy woman you find here in Proverbs 31. In fact, she is constantly busy. She's always doing something, and so... Uh, we look to, to, this, to this lady as, uh, as the, the, the diagram for who we ought to be, uh, at least in this respect. It's no coincidence that Proverbs 31, 13 through 19 focuses on her industry and her industriousness. She works. She provides food. If you go back through and you look at all the things she does, she clothes her family. She buys property. She plants a crop. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. She's always doing something. She's industrious. She's not... Lazy. And when you come in contact with a lazy person, you find all of the problems that come from, from
from that. Proverbs 10, 26 says they're like smoke to your eyes. You ever been sitting next to a, a campfire and the, the, all of a sudden the, the, the wind shifts and the smoke starts getting in your eyes? What, what happens? Oh, it burns and it hurts. And you got to move away very quickly. He says that's what a lazy person is like to your life. They make it harder for you. It's obnoxious. It's hard to be around them, right? He says, you don't need to saddle yourself, saddle yourself with someone like that. If you've got an opportunity as you're dating and you look at the person, you say, you're just, you're just lazy. I love you, but you're lazy, right? That's going to be smoke to your eyes one day. He also calls it vinegar to your teeth in Proverbs 10, 26. It kind of sets your teeth on edge. It's bitter. They'll, they'll, they'll turn your life into one of bitterness, won't they? Also, as most of us are married, you realize that laziness is not something that we need to be involved in, right? We talked about that several weeks ago, but this is not who we need to be. We need to do things well. We need to work well with a mind uh, to who we're actually serving. It's not our employers. It's not ourselves. We're actually serving the Lord, and so we are not a lazy people, and we're not lazy in marriage. Marriage is hard, right? If you've been married for more than a day, <laughs> marriage becomes difficult. The lazy person is going to check out on you. We can't be lazy people, especially as we look for a mate. We, we don't need to be lazy. Um, next one. You need to look for someone who's kind. Check out this lady in Proverbs 31. Uh, again, these qualifications fit for men as well as women today. I, I think that's a fair assessment of what he's trying to say in Proverbs 31. Um, but for our purposes today, these go for men as well as women. So ladies, you need to be looking for a man who is kind if you're dating. Men, you need to be looking for a woman who's kind if you're dating. We need to be kind people. If we're already married, these are things that we can grow in. A lot of these things are not things that you're naturally given to. Um, maybe you're naturally like a type A type of person and you just want to work, right? Some of these things are things that you're, that you're just kind of born with, but a lot of them are things that you can and should be growing in. Um, maybe they're not your personality type or your personality type is not given to these things, but these are things that you can and should be growing up in. These are things that we can work on. So we look for someone who is kind. In Proverbs 31 verse 20 he says, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She opens her mouth in verse uh, 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. It's not just her words that are kind, but also her actions that are kind. And so those are some things that we need to be looking for in people that um, we're looking to marry or in ourselves as we grow up in these attributes. Proverbs 27, flip, flip over there real quick, Proverbs chapter 27. Verses 15 and 16. Proverbs 27, 15 and 16 says, A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. That would be the same for a quarrelsome husband too, wouldn't it? All right, well, all these things are the same. To restrain her or to restrain him is to restrain the wind. Can't do it. Good, good luck trying that. 
are to grasp oil in one's hands. You ever try to do that? You ever try to grab a liquid in your hands? Maybe, maybe our faucet's been having problems lately. and reached out and tried to grab it to stop the, stop the water. It's just a natural reaction, right? If you just try to reach out and grab water to make it stop, but guess what happens? Doesn't work, does it? He says that, that's how it's going to be with someone who is quarrelsome. You don't want to saddle yourself with someone like that. Uh, look what he says in, in verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 3. Just uh, so that gentlemen don't think that we're getting left out here. <laughs> Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, It is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, but every fool will be quarreling. You just don't need to saddle yourself with someone who is contentious, someone who loves a fight. Some people just like to be right. When we were young, um, Kelly and I, were, when we were first newly married, I don't remember who said it to me, but they said, do you want to be right or do you want to be married? <laughs> Sometimes there's a difference, isn't there? And you can, you can just insist on being right and burn all the bridges that will keep you married. Or you can be fine letting them have their way and make your marriage better. It's not worth being right most of the time. It's worth being married. It's worth building in that trust. That's one of the ways that you build in trust with people. You don't fly off the handle. You're not, uh, they ought to be able to expect a certain reaction out of you. They ought to know how you think. Uh, after 18 years of marriage, uh, I, I found over the last several years, uh, we're, we're thinking alike. You know, Kelly and I will, will, will react the same way now. And I see that as a sign of growth, you know. I think, I think we're hitting on all cylinders. It's an awesome thing to be able to trust them more than you trust yourself. And I think that's beautiful. But one of the things that we look for as we look for uh, a mate is we look for someone who is kind. If they're not going to be kind to someone else, they're not going to be kind to you either, right? But again, this is something that we grow up in. This is something that Jesus demands from us. Remember um, the the... Second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor like you love yourself. And essentially, he's talking about kindness there. And so this is something that he demands from us. And so we grow in these in this aspect as well. So we look for someone who is, who is kind. Next, in Proverbs 31, verse 11 and 12, he says, Look for someone whose behavior is respect, respectable. And so what he says here, the heart of her husband trusts in her he, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. This lady's attitude, words, her decorum in uh, the city that they lived in raised up other people's opinion of her husband. And the exact same thing would be true for her husband's actions and his decorum in their city would raise up other people's opinion of her. Uh, how we act matters and how we act in marriage matters. And so if uh, that person is not acting in a way that is respectable before marriage, they're not going to act in a way that's respectable after. Um, 
Look at Proverbs 31, verse 23. It says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. That's exactly what we're talking about here, right? Uh, had her actions and her attitudes and her life not brought honor to her husband, he would not have been sitting in this spot. He's sitting in an honored spot at the gate with the elders, meeting people, deciding on um, controversial issues. He's dealing with uh, people who are quarrelsome, who have come to the elders of the city and they're trying to come down on a decision. He was put in this situation because of his wife and she also would derive um, respect from the way that he lives his life. If he goes off and makes uh, unacceptable decisions and has unacceptable, unacceptable behavior, uh, he lowers the community's admiration for her as well. We need to honor God with our behavior, but it's also an honor to our spouse as we act in ways that are in line with how God would have us to be. The final thing we need to think about this morning comes from Proverbs 11, verse 22. You need to avoid someone who is constantly making bad decisions. You find the, the adverse of that here with the, with the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. She's constantly making good decisions. But here in Proverbs 11, 22, you just need this mental image. Uh, like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman without discretion. Right? Remember back earlier, he talks about charm and beauty, and those things are, are fleeting. They're, they don't last long. There's aren't something worth building a foundation on. It's not something worth building a marriage on. They just don't last. Here he, said, he, he even goes beyond that as he thinks through uh, a beautiful woman without discretion. He says, it's just like putting a, a, a gold ring in a pig's snout. You don't make the pig beautiful by doing that. That's not, that's not how it works. Sometimes beauty and charm blind us to our, uh, our mates' uh, defects in their character, or our potential mates' defects in their character. And we can't allow that. Um, look in verse 30. Compare this, compare this lady or this, this man in Proverbs 11 to the one you find in Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord or a man who fears the Lord is to be praised. And the fact that her, the fact, this fact, the fact that she is fearing the Lord makes her a, or makes him a treasure beyond anything else. You really see that played out in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Uh, David has been protecting Nabal's sheep shearers. Uh, they are out in the country, and Nabal, you, you, you may be familiar with him, his name means fool, which is not a good nickname. And so his, uh, David's been protecting the guys that are shearing his sheep out in the country. And David sends word, hey, we, we would like uh, a feast. We'd like lunch, basically, is what he's asking for. And Nabal sends back and says, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. And David is so enraged. He gets his army together, 600 men, 600 valiant fighting men. 
and they start heading toward Nabal's camp. Somehow, word gets out that David's on his way, and Abigail, Nabal's wife, comes out. She says, well, what, what, what's going on? And I've heard, you know, what's going on. I've heard, you know, I can kind of figure out what's going on here. And so uh, I've brought all kinds of food for you. I've brought the feast for you. Um, and, and I know my husband, he, his name is Nabal, and he's a fool. And, and she's, she makes the situation. Anything else is just a person with a gold ring and a pig's snout, right? So I hope maybe some of these things have been helpful for us as we thought about who we need to be in our marriages. But also, if we're not married, maybe some of these things are, are things that we can, we can, criteria that we can use to, to whittle down the field. Often, we look for the wrong things in a spouse, Often we want the wrong things in a spouse. And so maybe you're married right now and you, you want something different. Maybe you want something your spouse hasn't, hasn't got. Maybe the, the charms fleeting and the beauty's gone and are, are fleeting or whatever. And that's not the important things, is it? Who are they on the inside? Because that's the foundation that will last. That's the things that are important. Are they growing up inside of Christ? Are they maturing? Are they who God wants them to be? Those are the things that we look for. And those are the characteristics that will last. Today, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, you're still in your sins. And that's the very first thing that we need to take care of to help you grow up inside of Christ. To be who God would have you to be. So that you can grow inside of Him. So you can do all the things that... He would have you to do and be who you, he would have you to be. Maybe you've already made that decision this morning and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be that kind of person, to be the, the discreet person, to be the person that fears the Lord, who respects him, who longs to do his will. If you have any need this morning, won't you come as we stand and sing?
We have a couple announcements to go before we're dismissed. Uh, Bible class teachers are needed for the next quarter starting in December. Two and three-year-olds Wednesday night and two and three-year-olds and kindergarten through third grade Sunday Bible hour teachers are needed. See Connie if you can help. Only two and three-year-olds three on Sunday morning. Okay. And Wednesday. Okay. CYC registration is $70. That ends today. Uh, December 7th is a Stepping Stones Supper. Don't say that faster. Uh, December 15th, Holiday Cookie Exchange. Bring two dozen cookies and finger foods, and that will start at 6.30. The mission team is asking for donations of wrapping paper, tape, gift boxes, and gift tags. On the prayer list, remember uh, Terry Egner, congestive heart failure. Terry Leap has uh, bone and liver cancer. Steve Rowe, Jennifer Baker, and Clinton Galloway, who is currently in St. Mary's room 5131. He has a blood clot behind his knee and some respiratory issues, and will probably be in the hospital a couple more days. Also remember the Stevens family, the Dunphy family, and your prayers for the loss of loved ones. Anyone have any other announcements? Next door, remember it's Church Eat Church. Uh, leftover food in the uh, middle auditorium after services. Anything else? We'll have a closing song and a closing word of prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 860, He Is My Everything. And after that, Brother Jerry Stevens will have a prayer. He is my everything. He is my all. He is my Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time, and Father, for the lesson we've heard, and, and Father, we are thankful for the mates that we've chosen, and, and Father, what they mean to us, and we do pray your blessings on those who will do that in the future, Father, that they will be able to have success in their marriage, and Father, in service to you. And Father, we do thank you for the worship this morning, for all that was said, and for all those who are here. For every member, Father, for every uh, person that comes to help do the work of the church here, we're so, so thankful. We're thankful for the Wallaces, Father, that they've placed their membership with us. We're thankful for Mr. Covey that he placed his membership with us and others, Father, uh, that will help this, Father, help this congregation to grow. Father, we just thank you so much for the blessings you give us, and we thank you for the food that's 
presented to us, Father, this afternoon. We just pray your blessings upon those who repaired it. And, Father, we just thank you for all that you do. And, Father, we are thankful for, for Hilda. Father, for the life she led in the, in the beginning of the congregation here many, many years ago. And we're thankful that, that you've allowed us to, to be blessed by that and to be a part of it. And, Father, we just pray that you'll continue to help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>